Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Hello and welcome back to A Real Creature Feature. My name is Mac. I'm Mike. I am Dean. What are you, what are you pointing at? I was pointing at the camera. I have my... Um, the Discord stuff on the on a different computer okay. monitor than I normally do, so that's yeah. why my head's all turned over. And uh, and you have two things though right now. One, Dean can't see you, and two, uh, <laughs> two your your placement of your uh, of your screens is different from mine. So you know, obviously, wherever you're pointing is not going to be the same place where I'm like, because you were pointing directly at me. Yeah, I know, but yeah, it's just do 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 do. So welcome back, uh, and today we are going to be talking about the Chupacabra. The Chupa Libre. Chupa thing. That's my Mexican wrestling name. Chupa. Your Mexican wrestler, your luchador name is going to be Chupa Libre? Yes. Which I think might be. Well, now we're going to have to your, look Your wrestling up. name should be Broke Grande Tumpen. Chalupa. Why Grande Chalupa? You're a big Chalupa. I'm not filled with mystery pink meat. Oh man, we went to. Well, he's looking up a thing. We went to Lebra, went to Las Brasas for my birthday. Oh man, got a chalupa from there. So good, so good. And now we have a Mexican restaurant so close to the house. It's like, why even go to Taco Bell anymore? Other than the fact that it's relatively cheaper, but still, dollar for dollar, you're gonna get better quality oh, at Mama Elda's. Free. Was that Chupa? Well, I don't know if Chupa does directly. This is 100% Google Translate. But I got uh, Chupa Libre means sucks free. <laughs> no bueno de cansar. That's, that's no bueno, my friend. That is no bueno. Because, yeah, Libre. Okay, but if I do Libre, Libre means free. And, yeah, Chupa suck. So it doesn't matter because, yeah, the, the Chupa part is the Chupa part is free suck. <laughs> is that really what you want to go with? No. Too late. Too late, it's your name now. Nice job, Chupa Libre. <laughs> so, Mike and Dean, what do you know about the Chupacabra? All right, so as far as I understand it, Chupacabra is the is a well-known in the, yeah, the Spanish Americas, thank you. Um, well, I've always known him as the Mexican goat eater. <laughs> um, from what looks I've seen, he looks like, it looks a lot like... Uh, body of the fish dude from uh, Shape of Water with a head like Bosk, the Trandoshan from uh, Star Wars. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's what that's what my interpretation has been. I just looked up like actual like descriptions, but no pictures. Ah. <laughs> what the heck? But yeah, yeah, that actually that actually pretty, pretty accurate to a lot of things that I've seen of them being depicted. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how about you, Dean? Um, I never really saw images of the chupacabra, 
but you know, when I first thought of it in my head, I thought it was like a carnivorous goat that was a goat vampire. But then I saw this illustration where it's uh, sort of uh, more of a dog creature with huge spines and large cat-like claws and claws and fangs. Mm-hmm. But my initial just hearing it, the only thing that popped into my head was a canine carnivorous goat vampire who sucked out the bones. The next closest thing was the episode of Futurama with the bone uh, sucking animal that hatched from an egg that Fry cared for. Pepe! That was a later season. Yes, it was. That was season seven. As like they think it was their last season. It was either seven or eight. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I could see where you could think that. Yeah. But for me, canine tendencies. If we can slip some goat style into it, huge spines, big claws, and quadruped eats out the bones and just leaves the rest of the meat into a goat puddle. Gross. So, uh, this is from the Wikipedia. There are generally, like, two different descriptions. First is, the most common description of the chupacabra is that of a reptile-like creature said to have leathery or scaly green-gray skin and sharp spines or quills running down its back. It is approximately 3 to 4 feet, 0.9 to 1.2 meters high and stands and hops in a fashion similar to a kangaroo. Another common description of the chupacabra is that of a strange breed of wild dog. This form is mostly hairless and has a pronounced spinal ridge, usually pronounced uh, eye sockets, fangs, and claws. Unlike conventional predators, the chupacabra is said to drain all the animal's blood, dashes, and sometimes organs, usually through three holes in the shape of a downwards pointing triangle, but sometimes two holes. Interesting. Uh, If you look up Chupacabra, you are going to see a lot of pictures of um, coyotes, like Ah. coyotes with a really bad skin condition called mange. And for some reason, people don't get that, don't understand, like, no, that's a coyote. It's clearly a coyote. It looks like it's in a lot of pain. Well, mange is never good on a wild animal. No. Uh, so in national uh, in the nationalgeographic.com, chupacabra science, how evolution made a mythical monster. So coyotes suffering from a very severe case of mange, a painful, potential fatal disease that can cause the animal's hair to fall out and the skin to shrivel, among other symptoms. I don't... Th- think we need to look any further or to think that there's yet some other explanation for these observations said barry o'connor this is going to be a real short episode then if this is the case so uh a university of um, michigan entomologist who has studied um scabies a parasite that causes mange yeah uh the university of michigan o'connor speculates that the mites pass from human to domestic dog and then on coyotes, foxes, wolves in the wild. His research suggests that the reason for the dramatic difference 
response, uh, different responses in that of humans, because humans do get scabies and other primates uh, responses is that humans and other primates have lived with the scabies might for much longer in evolutionary history than other animals that have not. So this is because of Bigfoot is what you're saying. Other primates. Well, we are Bigfoot. Yeah. We already established that. Yeah, that we've we established that four episodes ago. This is, you know, we are we are we are all Bigfoot. That's our third T-shirt, by the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, primates are the original host of the mite. Connor said, "Our evolutionary history with the mites help us keep scabies in check, so it doesn't get out of hand like it does when it gets into other animals." Because yeah, if you look at the results of mange on a dog and then you compare it to a human who have scabies it's like yeah one looks way worse than the other and basically it sounds like it's like um like uh when different populations get introduced to uh smallpox with the native americans where white people had like at least somewhat of a more na- more likely to have a more natural immune response where it just wiped out a lot of the native peoples by comparison in other words humans have evolved to the point where our immune system can neutralize infestation before infect infection neutralizes us and uh, so later on in this article uh evolution of a legend who so yeah this person is uh lauren coleman director of the international cryptozoological museum in portland maine agreed that most that many chupacabra sightings especially those more recent ones could be explained away as appearances of mangy coyotes, dogs, coyote dogs, you know, all the above mixes. It It's certainly a good explanation, Coleman said, but it doesn't mean that it explains the whole legend. For example, the more than 200 original Chupacabra reports from Puerto Rico in 1995, that's right, Chupacabra has only been around since 1995. Wow. A decidedly un-canine creature. Yeah, it's only from 1995 when you first start seeing any, hearing any sightings. In 1995, uh, Chupacabras was under, Chupacabras were considered, or understood to be a bipedal creature that was three feet tall, like we said before, and covered with gray uh hair or scales and spikes out its back coleman said but as if in a game of telephone the description of the chupacabra began to change in the late 1990s due to the mistake in mistranslation in uh reports he said by 2000 the original chupacabra had been largely replaced by the new canine one and what was seen as a bipedal creature now stalks livestock on all fours. It was actually a big mistake, Coleman said, because the whole confusion with most of the media reporting the chupacabras now as dogs or coyotes mange, you really don't even hear about a good report of the Puerto Rico or Brazilian or reports from Puerto Rico or Brazil anymore like you did in the early days. Those reports have disappeared and uh, reports of the canines with mange have increased. So that alone just kind of like, well, no, this really shows that this thing doesn't exist because it's like, oh, we don't 
the moment we have like a translation error and people start hearing that the idea of these creatures just changed drastically it's just like seriously you, that no wonder they don't exist because they can't because of xyz but here's the most interesting thing of why where people assume uh where this creature came from based off you know history and connecting the dots a five-year investigation by benjamin radford uh documented in his 2011 book tracking the chupacabra concluded that the description given by the original eyewitnesses in puerto rica one by the name of madeline tolinido was based on the creature sill in the 1995 science fiction horror film Species. The alien Sill is nearly identical to Talatino's Chupacabra eyewitness account, and she has had she had seen the movie before her report. It was a creature that looked like a chupacabra with spines on its back and all. The resemblance to the chupacabra was really impressive, was uh, really impressive, totally uh, Talatino reported radford revealed that Tarantino believed that the creature and the events she saw in species were happening in reality in puerto rico at that time and therefore concluded that most important chupacabra descriptions cannot be trusted so you're saying no 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 i'm gonna reinterpret this right now okay what you're what you're saying is is that the species series is a documentary yes excellent <laughs> but yeah it's just like when you line it up all the stuff correlates with species i i don't know enough about this particular woman if yeah she like didn't un can't like maybe she is mentally not well and can't dis uh differentiate reality from fiction i don't know i'm not saying she is i don't know anything like that but it's basically the concept of um mass hysteria yeah the moment one person hears something and then they tell their friend and then it just keeps spreading and then but nobody's died from dancing how can that be mass hysteria um that's a different mass hysteria dean nobody because uh the creatures in species didn't dance yeah that's why they they mostly just they mostly just did it and ate people yeah pretty much a lot of doing it and eating people uh it in this case just for clarity's sake is sex yes yes it is and bad stuff happens. I've seen. I saw the two. I know that there's a third one, and I uh, yeah watched Roanoke Gaming's talk about it, and I was just like, I'm happy I'm not seeing this because this doesn't make any sense. Which it never made any sense anyway. So there's that. Why not? <laughs> because it has a species sent us information to tell us how to screw with our own DNA in a way that they would then be able to take over. Hmm. And then it turns out that they wiped out all life on Mars. So then we have Martian versions of these aliens there and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's an entire Heinlein novel about this very subject. I don't see the problem here. Though it did honestly had some really cool special effects. I remember watching when I was a kid because they had the practical stuff a lot. And the scene where the dude in the second one just blows off the top of his head with a shotgun. And then it just regenerates perfectly. And it was just like, that was cool. It made me really enjoy that, like, special effects. But yeah, so 
chupacabras based off species, uh, but we're st I'm still going to run with it based off our basic concept of the show is let's build us a chupacabra. Well, I mean, I think we already did. We just take a coyote, we give it mange, and then let it loose. So what did we learn about uh, vampires in our vampire, vampire episode? Vampire episode. Was, that was like four months ago. I can't remember anything. How big can a, do you remember how big a vampire can be? Oh, tiny. Oh, yeah, that's right. They can get tiny. Well, they have to be tiny because they can't survive. Uh, off. You can't a big thing can't really survive off of blood. But it survives off the of bones. Yeah, what about bones? Oh, no. I, about I bones? already came. Oh, no. I already, I already came up with an idea. Okay. There's white blood cells in bones. Bones. One also miracle. <laughs> we'll shut up about bones. Uh, spiders. How do spiders eat? Uh, don't they usually, don't they usually kill their prey and wrap it up for later? Uh, fact. Oh, this is from Burke Muse Museum. Uh, dot org. Collection and research biology, arachnology. Oh, spiders, so spiders have the special straws from killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, I see that all the time with spiders, where they walk around with a long looping uh, straw that they just stick into flies and suck them out. You can find this myth in many books, even some scientists who have never bothered to look, uh, to look for themselves believe it. There is not a particular no um, never mind. Um spiders are not miniature vampires. All species, as far as we know, digest their solid um some solid parts of their prey. What makes it especially interesting is that the digestion process digestion process begins outside of the spider, where anyone who wants to look can see how it works. So yeah, vampires don't suck out the juices. What they do is they inject venom and it kind of put a medium-sized insect into the web of a large orb-weaving spider in the garden. You will see the spider bite the prey, wrap it in silk, wait for it to die, then begin to eat. As a first step in eating, the spider will literally vomit digestive fluids over the prey. So like a fly. Yeah. Uh, then the prey is chewed with the jaws and the fluid is sucked back into the mouth together with some liquefied meat. Dean's not that far off then with the killer clowns analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably what they base it off of because yeah, when you look at the the in the killer clowns, the cotton candy or jello. Yeah, the cotton candy thing. Because it looked, well, the, oh, not chrysalis. That would be cocoon, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say, or orb weaving. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not saying that you're, you're wrong, but yeah, spiders repeat this process as often as necessary to digest the insect. All but the inedible hard parts. What is discarded afterwards is a small ball of residue. Oh, man. Spiders, um... Spiders, other than orb weavers, may eat the prey's body, um, but discard some of the wings, legs, etc. Spiders with very small, if strong, jaws, such as crab spiders and cobweb weavers, 
make small holes in the prey and vomit the digestive fluid into the prey's body. The end result being a hollow shell with some of the most, some or most of the muscles and internal organs digested and sucked out. So yeah, that is what I like. If we were going to build a chupacabra, bam, that's its digestive system or how it digests foods. And then it also kind of correlates with the whole, there's like the three puncture holes. Now I've got in my head, uh, after some reason at work, I was holding a, something like it was a cigarette on a Cruella DeVille cigarette holder with a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now in my mind, <laughs> they're, they're small teacup Dante dogs with mange and teeth holding a colorful loopy straw and they and they've got and they're sort of Cruella de Vil in uh in their design. Where are they? Where are they? The darling little bastards. Oh yeah weirdo. Yeah. Uh Dean. Yeah little yeah little weirdo. Hey, I'm trying to feed the uh art fans of ours to Get them to create art for our show. All, all one third of them. Yeah. Uh, I also looked up because then I looked up stuff about uh, spiders and there's like two general groups of spiders. There's the wandering and the hunting spiders. And like they there's certain aspects that are different. So wandering spiders have many eyes, two large ones, and they have good eyesight because that's the thing about spiders. It's. You will see some of them have like two main big eyes and then a bunch of little ones like uh, jumping spiders will have have these giant eyes. And that's so that they can actually see where they're going because they need to be able to use um, binocular vision so that they can actually figure out how far to jump. Uh, Legs are hairy with airy pads for traction and web walking Um, search for and hunt prey powerful jaws thicker and more powerful legs for jumping on prey fangs usually up and down uh, serrated and then the web bead building spiders many eyes all tiny not that good of eyesight because they kind of use the web to know where their prey is legs are hairy with three hooks for hanging on web strands uh, wait for prey weak jaws Thinner and more agile legs. Fangs are more horizontal and not serrated. So that's the thing about it is all spiders, that's how they eat. They inject their um, venom and then digestive fluids. But it sounds like uh, the web weaving spider ones really have to do this to actually be able to eat a lot of this stuff. Because, yeah, they don't have the strong jaws for munching. What was the picture that I'm assuming Dean shared? Yeah. Yeah, Lucas the spider. Very cute. Yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, they have those two big eyes. They are so small. Yeah, they are. There. But so I was looking into stuff about this because I was like, well, they're reptilian, but they're kind of animal-like, and they have long, or mammal-like, but they have you know the long spurs. So I was like trying to figure out some kind of combination of that. So then I was looking into um, mammalian ancestors. Uh, so. Mammals and uh, reptiles or uh, broke off millions of years ago 
They broke off in the diapsids and the synapsids. So basically that deals with like the structure of the skull. Um, it means, so there's, we have our eye sockets and they, it's dealing with like the basic holes that are in our head. So like a uh, diapsid means that there is a hole behind their eyes. So if you think about like a T-Rex, like how all the holes that they have on the sides of their skull, like they have big openings. We don't have that. We have basically just bone there. Yeah. I would suggest, yeah, looking this up because it is pretty neat. But then, yeah, dynapsids and synapses. We are the synapses. And, oh, no, I don't have it. Oh, no. Uh, I had a, I had the, an actual name that I was going to talk about this because this guy is really cool. Oh, synapsids are distinguished by a single hole known as the temporal fenestra in the skull behind each eye. The synaptic shows the skull viewed um from oh never mind this is schematic yeah but yeah it, you i just say look it up because it's actually really neat yeah, that's that's what you want to hear on a podcast look it up what do you expect us to do tell you a story about it okay so i found him uh the dime tromedon uh d-i-m-e-t-r-o-d-o-n so these guys are actually really really cool and uh they are not dinosaurs, but anytime somebody would look them up, like you would be like, oh, that's a dinosaur because it's well, a lot of times it's depicted as being green lizard like and all these other things. It's not a dinosaur. It's actually probably one of our ancestors as mammals. It's pronounced dinosaur. Dinosaur. Dinosaur DNA. But yeah, it's they're really cool. And uh, the reason why we know that. They're probably one of our, like, even before, um, like, any, well, because we can't do DNA tests on any of these guys. But if you look at their teeth, that's how we are figuring it out. Because so mammals are different than reptiles, obviously. And how we know about that is if you actually look at the dentition, mammals have different teeth, like, throughout their mouths. So, like, we, we have our incisors, our canines, and our molar, premolars and molars. If you look at, like, an alligator's mouth. All their teeth are pretty much the same. Okay. Fall out There's, constantly. Yeah, but the, yeah, there is no specialization in that aspect of like, oh, this this tooth is for grinding, and this tooth is for this and this that. No, I think there were probably some stuff like that with like uh, big herbivores. Well, no, I guess like because uh, I was thinking about like a lot of the like a Diplodocus or a Brontosaurus. They have like they had like flat teeth for grinding, but all their teeth looked like that as compared to um, most mammals where we will have a differentiation and top palates instead of top teeth. Oh yeah. The meaning it actually is kind of cool. Uh, the dimetro uh, meaning two measures of teeth. The dimetrodon is uh, don't, don't, don't show this to a Don't show this to an evangelical Christian. You'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. If, if they already don't want to say we didn't come from monkeys, now they're going to tell them that they came from that. Yeah, that's more fun. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna tell them that they came from the Dimetrodon, and you're gonna be like, yeah, yeah, that's where you came from. Well, you specifically came from that. I, uh, yeah, I came from a long line of healthy lemurs. Thank you very much. See, then you're not just... human. I was just getting see. I was just getting used to the idea of coming from the Neanderthals, and now you're telling me this thing is one of us. 
hey, this thing's older than dinosaurs. Like, dinosaurs also didn't exist. You're older than dinosaurs, Methuselah. Somebody needs to take all of the uh, ancestral uh, uh, evolution to humans, put them around a long table, and then have an evangelical cartoon of a of one of the evangelical Bible thumpers sitting at the end while all of them are going, what of us? What of us? Oobble gobble, oobble gobble. What of us? What of us? Well, you can skip a few. I mean, like if you look at that, if you look at that chart of man. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is also, so the, these are, uh, these are, have been incorrectly, but most of the time that's just how they're established. They're called mammal like reptiles, but they're, they're not reptiles. And it's so many of like our precursors where you can just see that they're so they're like just these little tiny like things that are similar to us, but not exactly similar to us. And it's really kind of cool. Mac, got a question for you. You know how there's the platypus and and it produces eggs instead yeah. of live birth? Monotrine. Is the is there what? There, uh, the group is called Monotremes. Okay, is there a mammalian with scaly skin that we know of in recent history? In recent history, no. Okay, uh, I think they haven't. We haven't had anything like that for millions of years, where something where there would be scaly skinned mammals, because that's where when it stopped being. Because, you know, there's like a that fuzzy area where it's like, well, they're not technically mammals yet. And they probably did have some kind of scale like things. Because I also think I don't like I haven't looked in this because there's so many, too many things to look into. But, you know, how uh, like feathers are kind of like modified scales. Are hairs modified scales? Well, hair is the same material as your fingernails. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Is it? Would that be also could be considered a modified scale? What if that somebody had a mutation nowadays that they instead of having fingernails, they had finger hairs out of the tips of their fingers? I don't like you anymore. We're not friends after this. <laughs> tickle, tickle, tickle. You're banned. This is my last podcast. Um, so thank, th- so thank you. Thank you. You have freed me from obligation, and I appreciate that. Uh, At least, so it's not all bad. Yeah. Uh, As of right now, there are three main branches of mammals. Uh, There are placentas, uh, things that, you know, have placentas. Uh, Marsupials, which are pouched animals, which they have like a pseudo placenta, but I think it's like it doesn't stay as long. And then, yeah, they have the monotremes, which are leg ang. So that they don't ever have a placenta. Are there more than uh, the platypus? Yeah, uh, echidnas. Those are the monotremes. There's a couple species of echidna. I know that. Oh, okay. I forgot about them. Yeah, the tiny hedgehog anteaters. I was listening to this about... um, They were talking about the Navi and Avatar. So, because men are perverts... Hello. And... uh, (laughs) James Cameron, I guess James Cameron is like knows that he created the Navi to also be somewhat sexy to humans. He was like, anytime they were designing, it was like, yeah, yeah, but put boobs on it. 
because this is the thing like i was listening to uh, unspooled and they're talking about the navi and they're breaking out down this whole notion of like he was like i know that they're not placental mammals so they don't really need to produce milk and everything else like that so they don't need boobs and it was like well not all mammals are placental mammals but they also all of them still produce milk yeah kangaroos yeah but it was like there are so many things i do want eventually i would love to just do a deep dive on all those uh like the navi just because i'm like this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense you know the exact opposite of wanted what i wanted to do for the show but i was like eventually we're gonna have to do i'd want to do that because i'm like dude this doesn't make a lot of sense why doesn't it have forearms for for him it's it's weird how much he tried to push you know the difference in alien culture mm-hmm. but i mean he even went so far as for me the biggest thing was the history of the music making side of the avatar movies where he had music professionals who figured out how they would make music with only four fingers on each hand and that stuff and how their music would be not Anglo-Saxon music theory, yeah, but something completely different. And James then, Cameron is a big ideas guy. And then he goes around, he turns around and is like, oh, that's too different. And then shit cans it all and we have more standard music in the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. That sucks. Yep. I only got the, the images from... Uh, a Wowpedia. What? World of Warcraft creature. What are you looking for? The Diametrodon? Yeah. How are you spelling it? Dimetrodon. D-I-M-T-O-R-D-O-N. Because when I tried typing that, it auto-corrected, and this is the creature that popped up. Does it have a fin on its back? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, well, that's not that that's one. from World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that pops up when I typed it in. That's interesting because I actually got a bunch of YouTube videos about the actual Dimetrodon. Weird. That's that is really odd because yeah, it was honestly yeah. I found the YouTube video that I found a YouTube video that Mac was probably bringing up Dimetrodon, our most unlikely ancestor. Mm-hmm. And then it just shows this dude, and then it just shows this little dude who's like, "Yay, I'm just happy to be here with my fin on my back." Yeah, pretty much. It's like an ancestor, or very least a distant, distant, distant cousin. Yeah, because yeah, it wanted the branches off and everything else. Uh, so I'm just gonna go with like that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. So for our chupacabra. Because I like I like the idea of spiny and everything else. So I'm like, oh, we could have it that it evolved from the Dimetrodon. And, you know, it became smaller because these things are fairly big, you know. And then this is something that we will have to bring up again when, because um, I've been looking more and more into this, for, like when we do a, an eventual actual dragon build, that during the time of the Great uh, Calamity, when the Earth got smacked with a giant rock and all the big cool things died out. The only things that really survived were the tiny things because they're the only ones that could burrow and everything else. That's why we still do have lizards and all these other things because they were 
small and they could bury themselves. Same thing as birds. Like we, the small birds were survived. The big things got wiped out. So we would have to start off from an entirely different pseudo branch because once again, I'm like, it's still a mammal like reptile, even though it's not a reptile or a mammal, but like the easiest way that we can describe it. So eventually it could be still could be considered warm blooded. It could still have a kind of scaly appearance and have those big spines on its back, even though like it's theorized for the dimetrodon or dimetrodon uh, that it's the big fin was used for um, like heating and cooling. So like when it's in the sun, it's fate. It like has the flat to the sun, the heat get heat. And when it needs to cool down, it rotates so that um, it's more perpendicular to the sun or not perpendicular parallel with the sun. No, it would be perpendicular uh, unless you're talking about the sail being perpendicular. Yeah. The sail being perpendicular is when it's actually getting wanting to warm up and it would be parallel with like a sun ray. Unless it, you could also say that the creature is trying to be as perpendicular with the sun to not warm its sail. Yeah. It's trying to cool down. I just say it like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's go. I'm going to go down that path. And then, yeah, it could still have mammal-like traits in many aspects, but still be reptilian-like in appearance. So, uh, or we could have a, that he evolved from thing, uh, something, something higher up, like the Cynodotia. And those kind of look like more dog-like in appearance. Like, that's the best way you can kind of describe it. Because, like, it had a longer head, had uh, four limbs and everything else. So... That would also be could be so used too for uh, the description of the chupacabra. So would it then, instead of being reptilian, would it be closer to mammalian then? Yes, it would be a its own third category. No, not third. Uh, Non-malian. Yeah, like it's uh. So oh, and also so um, this is it's... I have to also establish this when we're talking about when the dimetrodon is around is about 229 million years ago. No, 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 290. My bad. I can't read. So this is super duper long ago. So so you're saying like when my dad was 15? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I was saying the this is before there were uh, trees. This is before there were dinosaurs. This is before like all these other things. So, I mean... Obviously, with this thing, the, I mean, a chupacabra in and of itself isn't completely outside of the realm of possibility, just not at this point. It would have to come from a further back line. Yeah. And we would have had and we would have probably heard about them earlier than 1995 is what you're trying to say. Yeah, 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 exactly. It Because of like the basic niche of where it's like fitting in, where it's like, oh, it's a predator of small to medium sized mammals that would that would make a lot of like ramifications for so many different things like it it would be noticeable this isn't like something where it's like oh it's eating food from in a cave or something where like it has no exposure or it's like a deep trench thing or it's from the middle of the jungle it's already established that it's clearly is supposed to have had some kind of contact with humans yeah and it's eaten, and the idea is that it, I mean, especially because it comes from the name Goat Sucker, is it's 
is its English translation of a name. The idea is that it would eat on, you know, smaller, mid-smaller animals. Yeah. That are close to humans. Yeah. Like, in proximity to humans. Yeah. I mean, so far, this might be a really short episode just because Chupacabra is kind of a weird one to have in the sense of, like, you know, it was older, you know? Yeah, that's the shocker. That, that yeah. really yeah, unicorns me had like, thousands of years of information. Yeah. But like, even like with unicorns, this like a chupacabra is not outside the realm of possibility. It's just the idea that nothing like it's existed, but it's not like it's something that couldn't have existed had certain evolutionary lines occurred. Yes. And even though it's like, all I know is it's called goat sucker. I haven't really heard like it had three puncture wounds. It's like, it it came from for me it came from a not mythical thing because it just focused on the most pro uh, what I'm assuming is a more prevalent prey animal that humans have bred and keep lots of you know uh, coyotes attacking a chicken farm well you could almost say those coyotes were chicken chokers. <laughs> Gross. I didn't mean it that way. Um, gross. Dean, you're a big but, old grossy, whether you mean to or not. But, you know, that's where that's where the whole thing is like, I know it's supposed to be a cryptological thing, but like I said, I never got like, oh, it's a bipedal fish, fish-faced creature that lampreys, it's the creature's it's blood. Well, yeah, you know. that's because it has a very inconsistent uh, backstory. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, yeah. when I saw Futurama, that's where I got the idea that the goat sucker was an actually bone eater, where it just would eat the bones of a creature. Yeah. Well, and that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea, because much like the original concept of the Chubacabra coming from the movie Species, what did you see? Your own thought was coming from another pop culture reference, essentially. It's it's really this concept is I mean, it's 27 years old at this point. It's it's not really an ancient thing. Like there isn't all of these years of biological changes that could have occurred or even the idea of we have this idea of with lock like with the Loch Ness Monster. It's this concept that we had this creature that existed. And there was not really a description of it. And then we end up getting a rather famous photograph of it. And then that's what becomes the truth of it in its own way. Considering the fact that it's that new, I did not know that. Because, like I said, I learned about it from some Cryptid Hunter show. And it was that and, like... I don't remember what it's called, but it's a pterodactyl with like lights in its gut. Oh yeah, I there's a lot of random weird things that it's like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> as well, you know what? You know, maybe next time that's what we should talk about: just pterodactyls with lights in their guts. If you can figure out what it's called, okay, you got it. I'm curious about the rock. It was the it was the Ropen. It was the Ropen of uh, Papua New Guinea was the one that they were talking about. Um. Oh, you want to talk about rocks? ROC. Okay. ROC. Is that ROC? Your ROC. 
How about how about we talk about Roku? This week's episode is sponsored by Roku. Oh, we could make uh, we could talk about Dwayne the Rock Johnson and how he's not actually human. He's a god more born among men. I'll look into Ropen. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, so I have to. This will be the first time where I have to do an actual deep dive into uh, a creature. This will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this will be a relatively short one, probably. Maybe I might be able to get about 40 minutes out of this now. This is, I mean, I think it's, I mean, there, I mean, it's kind of interesting because there isn't as much mythology behind it. There's literally, I'm shocked that there's literally nothing. Yeah. I'm, that's actually kind of like, because, well, granted, it's always been around for, for us, considering our age, it's basically been around for us of our lives yeah. yeah so that's just weird okay one well, of us google gobble google gobble one of us one of us okay that's it i'm calling it we're yeah. done we are done here a real creature feature is created by matt kuklinski starring matt kuklinski michael seaman and dean snow any questions comments artwork or general inquiries can be sent to Real creature feature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. It's because of Indiana Jones he went to an Inca temple and accidentally released the chupacabras that were created by the Aztecs. Fair enough. (laughs) Went to an Inca temple... Yes, yes, I know. That's what I said. By the Aztecs. Okay, first of all, that's not even close to being outside the realm of possibility when it comes to an Indiana Jones movie. You tell me that for one second, that that's not a possibility. He he left with the jewel because it belongs in a museum, and he left the door open because he didn't know how to reset all the traps, and the chupacabras escaped in 1995. Yep. And started attacking and creating a havoc on the local goat herders. There we go. Indiana Jones would have been Indiana Jones well over a hundred years old. That would be Henry Jones the third, thank you very much. Junior. This would be this would be Henry Jones the third, as played as portrayed by a much older Shia LaBeouf. I thought his name was Dog. No, it's Mutt. Oh, but Mutt. his name but his name, his real name is Henry Jones III, because he is Indiana Jones's son. I thought uh, Chris Pratt's taking that role. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. At yeah. this point, it's, it's not like, out of the it's not out of possibility. I mean, yeah, Indiana Jones did meet aliens, so they could have given yeah. him something and he could have licked his finger after his dad drank from the eternal cup. Yeah. Which, by the way, and that's your biggest complaint about Christmas a couple skull. extra years. My biggest is like, not only did they go, oh, they're not just aliens, they're pan-dimensional aliens. I'm sorry, what? That's, I. they literally have 
The Ark of the Covenant has ghosts coming out of it to kill Nazis. Yeah. A, a What's imagine. the problem with pan-dimensional aliens? Yeah. There is nothing wrong with pan-dimensional aliens. We have had at least two episodes of this very podcast that have dealt with multidimensional beings. So yeah. this is... And that's the thing about it. It's, it's not in the same bailiwick, though. It's the... It, magic. That's this is the thing with like a lot of these mo like movies or anything of that. It's when you have magic. Magic is like something that's like non tangible in many aspects. It doesn't Again, have science that we haven't understood yet. Yeah, but yeah. it's like a lot of times it's like still waving your hand. Uh, like blah 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 stuff happens. Uh, Next, you're gonna try and say that Star Wars wasn't science fiction. Technically, it's not. It's a science. Uh, it it falls into the category of specifically space operas. Yeah, and uh, I have a friend. I have a friend. Uh, he will argue with me about this till he's blue in the face. Because I'm gonna get on this tangent. Don't get me started on this part. Star Wars is a space opera because what it is, it's science fiction mixed with magic. Yeah, fantasy. and that is a very specific. That's a very specific genre that existed well before Star Wars did. Yes. Because Flash Gordon is specifically where George Lucas got his inspiration, inspiration. to make Star Wars from, yeah. which is a space opera. Or, or in other ways, uh, sci-fantasy. Yeah. Sci-fan. Like, that's yeah. how I always establish it, because I'm like, the point of uh, the Jedi were to be space wizards. Yeah. And I'm not against the space it's wizards. Still sci it still has some science and some yeah. fiction, so it this qualifies. Yeah. I because just, it, it's as when if you establish certain rules, that's when like, like, like I I need you need to have good, like solid rules in your yeah. universe when you create it so that everything makes sense. And if you just like, oh, now we're going to do this, we're going to chuck it in and it doesn't seem at, go with the rest of how all the other rules are being established. I'm like, OK, what about the, what about the God that allowed a guy to rip a heart out of a living person? Is, that, that, is Kali Maul not like a Cthulhu being out in space who's giving him and channeling through him the ability to take a living heart out of a person without it leaving a scar? And that's also and the can thing that too not is, also uh, be an alien? Well, yeah, that's the Thor debate. Is Thor uh, God or is he an alien? In the comics, he's they're considered gods lowercase g and then yeah. it's like he was a great like, alien look i here's my feeling on it especially FG since one thank yeah. you very much